Hey, Word Journeys listeners, it's Dallas. The holiday season is upon us, which means that all of your favorite podcasts are asking for contributions. If you're a fan of Word Journeys and you're feeling in the holiday spirit, there are two big ways you can contribute to the show. The first thing you can do is to write a review on iTunes. It really helps with our visibility, and I would love to know your thoughts about the show. You could also make a financial contribution. The show wouldn't exist without your support. And you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash wordjourneyspodcast to make a contribution. One great incentive to donate to the show is that for a $20 contribution, I'll send you a packet of 20 brand new etymological trivia questions. These are great to do on your own or in groups, to puzzle over during long drives, or to spark conversation at holiday events with friends and family. Each question is an etymological quandary, with a setup and some basic details, and I provide hints along the way and a thorough explanation. There's a lot of good facts in there, all from etymologies I haven't covered on the show, but are similar in subject matter. If you're a fan of the show, you'll really like them, and it would help us be able to continue to produce episodes. If you'd like to purchase them, you can do it through our Patreon page. Have a happy, safe holiday, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Word Journeys, a podcast about etymology and the surprising stories behind the origins of English words. This is Dallas, coming to you from Philadelphia. In this episode, we'll begin by looking at what Christmas is all about. Well, at least the word Christmas. We'll look into its origin, and in doing so, we'll uncover connections between religious terminology and root words for oil. We'll examine the importance and history of oil as a ritual substance, and we'll encounter other interesting derivatives related to oil. Along the way, we'll discuss some tasty food items, talk about why Martin Luther said bah humbug to Christmas, and we'll find out why birds spend so much time grooming. Our episode will be organized around three primary root words, and the first is coming now. Stay tuned. Part 1 as promised, the first etymology we'll discuss is Christmas. Christmas comes from the phrase Christusmas, meaning the Mass or Festival of Christ, with the word Mass originally referring to an observance of the Eucharist. Christmas has appeared in English since at least 1123, and had coexisted with the phrase Christian Mass, which meant the same thing but eventually fell out of favor. So, then where does the word Christ come from? Its origin is in the Greek word Christos, which meant anointed. The Greek term is the translation of the Hebrew word Mashiach, which also meant anointed, or covered in oil, and is where we get the English word Messiah. This Messiah figure, or the anointed one, was prophesied in the Hebrew Bible, and Christians believe that Jesus was this prophesied figure, which is why he was called Christos. As for the origin of the word Christianity, Already in the New Testament, disciples of Jesus are called Christians, and the I-A-N at the end of Christian is a Latin suffix, not a Greek one, indicating that the religion as a whole takes its name from a Latin translation of the Greek word Christos. So Christ originally meant anointed, and the word anointed can mean something sacred, consecrated, or chosen, but literally it refers to something rubbed with oil. And Christos is an adjectival form of the Greek verb krio, which means to smear or rub, 
specifically with olive oil. Oil, and specifically the rubbing or anointing with oil, has religious significance in many cultures worldwide. In Judaism, holy oil was used to anoint high priests and kings, and oil has been used in coronation ceremonies for European kings for centuries. Anointing with holy oil is still a part of the coronation of the British monarch, and it's an important step in the Catholic rite of confirmation. On a practical level, rubbing the body with oil closes pores and can mask bad smells, and it became a common treatment for illness. The anointing of the sick is a sacrament in the Catholic Church, and anointing the body of a dying person is an important aspect of the last rites. Broadly, consecrated holy oil in Christianity became known as chrisma, a noun form of the Greek verb creo, which meant to anoint, and is also the verb root of Christos. The Latin and Greek word chrisma turned into the Old French chresma, which blended together with another Latin word cramum. Chresma plus cramum combined to form crème, which is where we get the English word cream. Originally, cream only referred to consecrated oil, but by 1332, it is attested as referring to the oily part of milk that settles at the top, and which is used to make butter. By 1581, cream could refer to the most excellent part of something, and by 1765, it could refer to any cosmetic with a particular cream-like consistency. Cream by 1889 could be used as a verb to mean to work foods into a creamy consistency through hard work, and from this usage, by 1929, it could metaphorically mean to beat or thrash. The word cream is ubiquitous in English today, and it all sprang from early Christian religious terminology. There's another holiday-related English derivative that stems from the Greek root Christos. In many parts of early 16th century Europe, the traditional winter gift-bringer was St. Nicholas, based on the historical bishop of Myra in modern-day Turkey. St. Nicholas is also the source of the English name Santa Claus, which is a variant of the Dutch Sinter Niklas, referring to St. Nicholas. But there was one particular Grinch who wasn't a big fan of St. Nicholas, Martin Luther, the transformational religious leader of the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther wanted to refocus attention on Christ himself rather than on saints, and so he promoted a different wintertime gift-bringing figure called the Christkindl in German, meaning the Christ child, and referring to baby Jesus. The Christkindl became an entrenched figure in German folklore, and German immigrants to America in the 18th and 19th centuries brought their traditions and the Christkindl. Over time, Christkindl turned into Christkinkel, attested by 1830, and then Christkinkel shifted to the proper name Chris Kringle by 1849. Chris Kringle was a purely American character. This linguistic transformation occurred among German immigrants in America, not in Europe, and his place in American culture was cemented in the 1947 film Miracle on 34th Street, where the Santa Claus character was named Chris Kringle. So, while Chris Kringle and Santa Claus could be seen as etymological rivals dating back to the time of Martin Luther, each remained popular among their own groups. They were eventually joined back together, and now they refer to the same figure and share the Christmas holiday. Part 2 To recap so far, we've discussed the origins of the English words Christ, Christian, Christmas, Kris Kringle, and Kreem. All of these words are from the Greek root creo, which means to rub, 
or specifically to rub with oil. The Latin equivalent of creo is the root unguo, which also means to smear with oil, and there's a whole class of English words derived from this root. This includes the word anoint, which we've used a lot so far. The Latin unguere was prefixed with in to create inunguere, which became Old French enwandre, which became anoint, literally to rub in. Here are a few related words, which aren't the most pleasant sounding. This root is also the origin of ointment, through the same evolution, and of the word ungent, a direct derivative, which means an ointment or a perfume. And finally, if someone is particularly greasy, either literally or figuratively, they might be described as unctuous, which comes from the root unguo. This word initially had a positive connotation, meaning healing or soothing, but over time it came to be seen as negative, like someone artificially oily. But this root also gave rise to one unexpected derivative. According to some etymologists, unguere was prefixed by pro, and it became the Anglo-Norman word proandra, similar to anoint. Then proandra became proin, which became prune, which finally became the word preen. To preen today means to dress oneself up, or to pride or congratulate oneself. But preen originally referred to a process by which birds groomed themselves, and the meaning of dress oneself came from that practice. Why, though, is preen derived from a root meaning oil? Well, some birds naturally produce oil, and then use their beaks to take the oil and distribute it around and rub it on their feathers. The oil is thought to help maintain feather strength, and is especially important for water birds. Part 3 There's a third root to complete our oil trifecta, and that's the ancient Greek word elion, which means olive oil. From this Greek word, we also get the Latin word oleum, also meaning olive oil, and it's from this word oleum that we get the English word oil, which can refer broadly to any viscous substance which is insoluble in water, and is often used as a fuel or lubricant. It's a neutral word, and doesn't have the religious connotations of creo. There are many English words which are derived from oleum or elion. Basically, think about words with all or olein at the end. And most of them are fairly modern creations. For instance, the all in menthol comes from oleum, and refers to the fact that the chemical compound menthol was first obtained from peppermint oil in 1862, menth being cognate with mint. There's also the olein in the word gasoline, in linoleum, which first used solidified linseed oil, and in petroleum, which literally means rock oil in Greek. Oleum combines with oleum, the Latin word for garlic, to create the word aioli, a type of sauce made with garlic and olive oil. There's also the word Vaseline, which combines the German word for water, Wasser, and the Greek word for oil, Elion. The story of Vaseline is an interesting one. It was created and trademarked by chemist Robert Chesbrough, who got the idea after visiting Titusville, Pennsylvania, the site of the first successful oil well in the United States. There was a mysterious waxy substance that came up with the crude oil, and workers would sometimes use this wax to alleviate burns and other wounds. Chesbrough eventually extracted petroleum jelly from the substance, 
and marketed this new creation as Vaseline, water oil, and it has been used as a successful topical treatment ever since. As you can see, there are a number of modern words owing their origin to oily substances. Finally, there's another holiday word that possibly comes from the Greek elion, meaning olive oil. Proponents of this etymology say that the Greek eladion, a diminutive of elion, entered Old East Slavic as oladia. Old East Slavic was spoken in what is now Ukraine, Russia, and Belarus between the 10th and 15th centuries. Oladia then became oladka in Ukrainian and referred to a kind of pancake fried in oil, and then oladka became the Yiddish word latka, a potato pancake part of Jewish cuisine and especially associated with Hanukkah. Frying the potato pancakes in oil, as the name would suggest, would have special significance on Hanukkah, which celebrates how one night's worth of oil burned for eight days. Before the arrival of potatoes in Europe, Jews would use buckwheat and rye to make these pancakes, and in earlier times they would use cheese. Some think that the Yiddish latka comes from the Russian latka of unknown origin, but referring to a pastry. But if the etymology from Greek is correct, then it's another example of oil's enduring relevance in religious festivals. Now it's time for our Cognate Corner segment, where we consult the American Heritage Dictionary of Proto-Indo-European Roots and find some cognates of our weekly words. Cognates are the etymological equivalent of cousins. They are words which evolved separately from the same source. This week, we'll finish up by re-examining the Greek root creo from the beginning of the podcast, where we get the English words Christmas and cream. Creo comes from the Proto-Indo-European root grey, which means to rub or grate. Through Sanskrit, we get the word ghee, or clarified butter, common in South Asian cuisine, and also frequently used in Hindu religious rituals, much like chrism. From this root through Middle English, we also get the word grime, meaning dirt or something smeared. And finally, from a Germanic root, we get the word grisly, meaning something terrible, that is, something that grates on the mind. Note that this grisly is unrelated to the word for the grizzly bear, which comes from a French word meaning gray, and it's related to the word grizzled. Last week I left you with a word puzzle. Can you think of an animal whose English name is derived from the Greek word hus, meaning pig? The answer is hyena, which comes from the Greek huaina, meaning female pig, probably because a hyena's bristly mane is similar to a pig's. Congrats to Bill in Oxford for writing in with the correct answer. That's it for this week. If you'd like more information or if you want to access some online sources on our topic, just visit our webpage at www.wordjourneyspodcast.com. As always, feel free to write in with questions, comments, or suggestions for future topics. We're also on Twitter, at WordJourneysPod, if you want to receive the latest updates. If you've been enjoying the podcast, tell your friends about it. Musical selections in this episode come from Kai Engel and the Advent Chamber Orchestra. This is Dallas Simons. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.